Hey everyone, and welcome to Theon Money, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy, the host of Theon Money. This week on the podcast, I have an interview with my friend Joe Garrisey of Backwards Planning Financial. You can uh, check out his stuff at backwardsplanningfinancial.com. And uh, I really recommend that. Uh, if you are at an income level where having a financial advisor could help you, then I think this is something that you should really look into. I think some people might wrongly look into something like this of, uh, oh, actually, it's a bad idea for me to have a financial advisor like Joe Garrisey because then I have to pay him and then therefore I'm making less money for myself. But that is a... Uh, I don't know, maybe I'll use this term. That's a pagan way of looking at things. I think a Christian way of looking at things is that we make the pie bigger by being creative humans, reflecting the creator who made us in his image. But the pagan way of viewing things is that the pie is fixed. And so for one person to get a bigger slice, that means someone else had to uh, get a smaller slice. But rather, we should look at things as... uh, Christians being creative and honoring God with their work make the pie bigger for everyone. So that way, uh, you know, if uh, twice as many people now get a cut of the pie, but the pie is three times bigger, everyone actually has a larger slice, even though there's twice as many people than uh, other people would think of it if they thought of that pie as fixed. And therefore, if there are twice as many people, everyone gets a slice half the size of before. No, the pie is three times bigger. Its diameter is three times bigger. So even though twice as many people are taking a slice, each slice is actually bigger than before. That also gets into stuff about the myth of overpopulation, but that is outside of the framework of this episode. All of that detour there to say, I'm just going to throw out fictional numbers, keeping it nice and simple. So don't use these as like an actual guidelines for how much uh, Joe Garrisey would charge and uh, how much money he would make you. So just throwing out some general numbers, just nice, easy round numbers for guidelines. If you hire Joe Garrisey and he charges you $1,000, but he saves you $10,000 in taxes that year by telling you that, oh, you should do this thing and that thing and, uh, you know, whatever else he does. Instead of investing here, invest here and uh, do this thing and oh, careful, what you're doing there was actually not in accordance with proper accounting laws. And if you'd gotten caught, you would have gotten a fine. So let's make sure we fix that. And actually, you might have to back pay a fine from doing it in the past years. You know, whatever kind of stuff he says to you that keeps you from getting out of legal trouble if you weren't doing something right before and also helps you save money. And even though you paid him $1,000, sure, you're out $1,000 from paying him. But if he makes you $10,000, then that means that you're actually in the positive 9,000. So don't just look at it as in that situation, of course, not saying that's how much he's going to charge you and that's how much you're going to make from hiring him. But if those were the numbers, then in that situation, you are in the positive 9,000 
instead of in the negative the 1000 that he charged you because you just take that off the top of the 10000 he made you and you're actually 9000 in the positive. So that being said, let's jump into the episode so you can get to meet Joe Garrisy of Backwards Planning Financial. All right, I am here with Joe Garrisy of Backwards Planning Financial and uh, I'll let you take it from there and introduce yourself and tell the listeners about you and what you do. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Uh, what I do is I own a wealth management firm called Backwards Planning Financial. We do holistic wealth management work to combine the thought process of not just investments and then not just insurance, but also the titling of your assets and tax strategies and your company benefits and debt planning and charitable gifting planning and estate planning. And so we meet with our clients, estate planning attorneys and their tax advisors, and we're doing combination planning to make sure it all works well, instead of just kind of buying a product here or there type of stuff. And we do that in a format of trying to understand how you want to use, that's called decumulation, how you want to use your assets. What are the goals you have short-term, long-term, legacy-wise, and how it all works together to be efficient. So therefore you contribute less and get the same result or you get a bigger result or the same contribution. That's where we focus on efficiency across the board. Yeah, and talking with you about all of this as we've uh, gotten everything ready for this episode, I, I wanna let the listeners know just how much of an understanding and a knowledge of this field that you've shown and uh, talking about the types of things you know that, you know, some people might just want to go out there and they're like, oh, I'm making quite a bit of money now. I need a financial advisor and just hiring some random person. They might get someone who doesn't know a, a whole lot, maybe because the person isn't disciplined enough to study, or maybe just someone who hasn't been in the field very long. Whereas if they went with uh, you, and I'll have a link in the show notes to your website with a backwardsplanningfinancial.com. If, uh, they go to you, you have a lot of experience. You've been doing this for a long time. And uh, like you were just saying, you have a more holistic approach than just, I found this one thing that's really good and everyone should do it. You might have uh, one thing that's really good and you recommend it to a lot of people, but you won't recommend one particular thing to everyone because people are in different situations and you know different ages in life and different incomes and other things yes. that affect what would be best for them at their specific spot in life. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And uh, today on the episode, we were uh, planning on discussing uh, some different ways with uh, joint ownership that, you know, some pros and cons of three different ways that people can do this with their joint ownership of bank accounts or investing accounts and different stuff like that. And uh, maybe ways that people could just get changed the way that their, uh, you know, investing account or bank account is legally written in order to protect themselves. So, uh, I'll let you go with what you want to say first on that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So um, I, I enjoy uh, doing beneficiary and titling uh, reviews with my clients. So what I ask them to do is, hey, list all your assets, list all the beneficiaries, list the titling of them. And so we discuss how to move assets so they move to the right people in the right time, in the right way, like how to move things around to avoid any unnecessary legal costs or unnecessary times of waiting like probate or various things like that. 
So what I want to talk about here is just how to title a joint account between two different people. There's three primary ways and different pros and cons. The most common out there between husband and wife is JTWROS, which means joint with rights of survivorship. Absolutely most common. You go into a bank for a savings account or you buy a home or a car together. That's the default in the majority of states. What that really means is that you two folks own it together completely. You can actually do this with a, a parent and child also. It's not just married couple, but those are really the options of it. And you can actually do it with three people. Okay, two, two parents and a child or a parent and two children. But the most common is between husband and wife that's out there. So therefore, if the husband wants to contribute money into the account, he doesn't have to get his wife's approval. If the husband wants to withdraw money, he doesn't have to give his wife's approval and vice versa type of thing. They both own it together. Right? Now, it doesn't matter if the they think that it's different amounts of shares. They both own all of it. So one of the couple could go withdraw all the money completely. Okay, so don't do this with people you don't trust, right? There's a, unfortunately situations out there. So make sure you trust this person uh, that you're doing it with, with your spouse and, and be careful about how the money is put in there. Now, when one of them dies, the other spouse becomes the immediate and total owner of the account. Okay, so they don't need to go through probate or of this area. So they own it completely, immediately, and it becomes an individual account automatically type of thing. Okay. Um, I have seen some banks uh, ask for time periods and, and proof of death and et cetera uh, on that before it becomes an individual account. Um, but it legally, once it's all done being processed, it becomes an individual account. Now, you can do this for your real estate ownership. Okay, so for your home, for your cards, for your bank accounts, there are things called non-qualified joint investment accounts. Now, let me separate this for a second. Every type of bank account or investment account is either qualified or non-qualified. Qualified is a term talking about the restriction of access to the money. So think IRAs and 401ks and SEPs and SIPLs and 403Bs and 457s and there's all kinds of accounts out there. But you have restricted access until you're 59 and a half years old. That means qualified. So non-qualified is unfettered access. Think your savings account, your personal savings account. You can go and empty that without any pre-withdraw penalty. That's a non-qualified account. You can have a non-qualified savings account. You can have a non-qualified investment account. And if you just go to any bank or any investment firm and ask them to open a joint account for y'all, then it's most likely going to be the default of with rights of survivorship. Now, what's the negative here? So if a husband gets sued independently and loses that lawsuit, that lawsuit has access to that joint account. Even though the wife goes, no, I don't want you to take my money. It, they have access in that lawsuit to 100% of those assets. Okay? So that's a risk. Unfortunately, in the world we live in, if you get sued, you can lose those assets. 
Now, a second way that you can title things is joint tenants in common. So if you see J-T-T-I-S, tenants in common, this is the most way to uh, to address or title a joint account between two people that are not married. Joint tenants, so a business partner, as an example, two folks that own a business or three folks that own a business, a type of thing, and they have a business account. This is a tenants in common, and you can have percentage ownerships in a tenants in common account. So you can have one person that owns 30% and the other person owns 70% as an example. And that individual that owns 30% can sell or the rights to that 30% of the account. So the 70%er could say, oh, I have a new partner in my account. Be careful always, caveat emptor, you know, buyer beware, always be careful when you have a joint account with someone. Now, coming back to the rights of sir. Yes, question with that. Yes. But do you have some kind of contract in place like before one of the partners wants to sell his percentage, he has to get approval from any others? Or is this kind of just wild west? You can do whatever with it. I mean, you can always have a contract, right? Okay. right? The, although this is part of Joe Garcia'sm. Um, a contract is only good as the people behind it. Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, contract doesn't stop unethical behavior. Contract just gives the ethical person the right to sue the unethical individual is really what a contract does. And if they're going to be unethical and then you sue them and hopefully you win and then collecting it after that. So be careful, whoever you go into business with, don't be unequally yoked, right? Uh, Be careful who you're business with, be careful who your spouse is, understanding their finances and et cetera. Super careful. Now, uh, one thing I forgot to say in joint tenants with common is if you have, let's see, common law people, right? Common law married. These are not legally married before the courts and the church, as an example, but they live together. That's common law married, and they have a an account or just two people that are together because they want to for whatever reason, and they have a joint account. Be careful here because when you contribute and or withdraw money into this account, and it's done more than the annual gifting allotment allowed, which is currently 17000 a year between person A and person B, you could potentially run into gift tax situation. So two friends that want to buy an apartment together, as an example, and they both contribute enough money for a down payment, that type of thing. Be super careful. Uh, of that so the two friends and you rent out you know part of your house to them and you have a joint account where they just contribute money into it be careful the type of thing right well that scenario is income uh, so you have to pay income tax on it but be careful you don't go past gift allotment allowance and there's ways to use your annualized gift allotment but you have to file the right tax form and etc but just be careful if you are not legally married and you use one of this, you can get yourself into some gift tax, surprise, surprise, which is very heavy tax ways, that type of thing. I didn't know the gift tax was 17000 I thought it was 10000 Did they raise it recently? Yeah, it's been, it's been indexing uh, every year for a while. So what that means is person A, any person, person A can give money to any other person up to 17000 per year without any gift tax issues. 
So I could give you 17,000 and there's no gift tax issues. But if I give you 20,000, 3,000 of that is above the annual allotment. Now you can use your annual life gift allotment, but you have to tell the IRS you're using some of that. Your, your, your lifetime gift exemption, that type of thing. So there's only a certain amount to use up. There's plenty, plenty right now, but those rules change. Okay. But let's say, let's say uh, parents wanted to give money to a, an adult's child to help them out in life because parents doing well and, and kids are struggling because of high inflation and high taxes and the cost of houses and the cost of cars. Like things are out right now. Crazy, crazy. So the parents trying to help out. So dad gives money to his daughter at 17,000. Awesome. But what if he wants to give 20,000? Ah, mom can give the other three because that's another person. See, mom can give to daughter another 17000 Okay, so so you can actually, both parents can give to daughter. Now, if daughter is married, both parents can give to the daughter's husband another 17000 each. So person A to person B, 17000 currently allowed in gift, gift allotment. And that changes almost every year going forward. Typically up, that type of thing. Something I heard uh, from that, there's a guy named uh, Dustin that I had on an earlier episode of Theana Money, and he does uh, this podcast called Christ and Capital. Okay. And he sa- he looked up some stuff about gift law, and he found out where it originated. And it, he said from his research, gift, these gift taxes originated in elderly people knowing they don't have a lot of time left, trying to give away all their money to their kids and grandkids to avoid inheritance taxes. And so actually gift taxes were started for people trying to get around inheritance taxes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that inheritance tax is a fluctuating number, mm-hmm. right? Right Right now, we're roughly, if you know, I'm going to round it, 12.5 million per person type thing. And so a couple, you're at the 25 million mark. Um, but that is just recent. I mean, uh, less than a couple presidencies ago for a bit was down at 1 million level uh, for part of that time. So this is a very fluctuating number is what I'm trying to say. Don't just because you, it's a nice big number now, doesn't mean it's going to be that when you die at that time. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, right now gift tax allotment is at that same rough number. So if someone wanted to give money while well, there's, let's say estate taxes come down and you know that ahead of time, if you, let's say you wanted to give a whole lot of money while the gift tax allotment is high and then. In the future, when it's lower, well, you got to use it when it was a big number. There's all kinds of strategies and stuff to that amount uh, in your in your legacy planning and tax planning and in et cetera. Um, and then, you know, be careful of what assets you give because you're transferring basis position. So you may be transferring a large capital gains tax uh, on the asset. So be careful, careful of what you give and who do you give and when do you give it. Um, that's part of legacy planning is to assess the right people and the right time in the right way, that type of thing for that. Yeah. So if you all listening are wanting to know more about that and how to be wise with your money, there's another reason to go to Joe Garrisey's website and to look at hiring him as a financial advisor. So thank you. Yeah. Once again, backwardspointingfinancial.com. Yes. Thank you. Okay. So the third one I wanted to highlight, and this is what I see most people do not know about this method. This is called joint tenants or tenancy, depending on who you're talking to, by entirety. So the acronym is JTTBE, tenants by entirety. So this is a third way that joint couples, and this is only for legally married couples. Okay, so this you have to be legally married. This is between them. 
joint tenants by entirety. So here's the bad news up front. I always like bad news up front and, and good news long term. Only 26 states allow this. Okay, so you may be in a state that doesn't allow it. A lot of financial institutions won't even do it, even if you're in a state that is legally allowed. A lot of banks won't do this for you. A lot of investment firms won't do this on your investment accounts. So caveat emptor, I say that a lot. Buyer beware on who you use. I legally, when I learned about this a while ago, I changed banks. Because when I went to, I, I'm a former army officer, uh, there's certain types of banking institutions that you can go to and you have to be military. They didn't do it for me. They said they would not be willing to do it. And so I changed to a different bank. I had to then do research on the banks and their history and how stable they were. And I was trying to find out what they did in 2008 with credit fault swaps and et cetera, that type of thing to see what they did. But when I finally found a bank that I was willing to use, I went and asked them, hey, do you do joint tenants by entirety accounts? And they said, absolutely. And I'm like, bingo. Awesome. It was not easy to move banks. All the automatic uh, payments I make, because I, I pay statement balances to credit cards, so I never pay any interest, um, and all the various bills for business, et cetera. But I did it because of what I'm about to tell you. There's my lead in, right? So the, the bottom line is extra free legal protection. What I mean by that? Okay, so tenants by entirety is where each spouse owns their safe, has access to the money, but it's owned by a third entity. What you're doing here is creating a third entity. If you want to call it the husband and wife account, whatever, the married couple account, but legally it is a third entity. So therefore, if Joe Gersey gets sued because I hit someone or someone hits me in my car, as an example type of thing, um, and they want to sue me and they win in that lawsuit, okay, it's really hard. Nothing's impossible in the financial world, but it's really hard to go get this money because this is not Joe Gersey's money. This is the owned by me and my wife. So if my wife gets sued, Okay, it's really hard to go get it. Now, where this doesn't protect you is if both husband and wife are named in the lawsuit. I work with plenty of people in the business world and in the medical world. The medical world, I believe, I believe I'm correct here, it is the most highly sued industry in the U.S. economy because people think money, doctor, and et cetera, they want to go get some of what they have earned. So it's really important in that type of profession. But I would suggest anyone do this. Why? Because it doesn't cost you anything. The cost in the bank account is no extra. You have the same taxes as the joint with rights of survivorship account. The same short-term and long-term capital gain tax situation. You can access the money just like what you want, etc. Now, if you divorce and or if one of you died, that protection goes away because this is only for married couples. So if you're no longer married in a couple, you don't get this. It will switch to an individual account uh, on that, okay? Um, so be careful on the type of institution that you go to for this. Any questions? Uh, I think that all makes sense. So okay. yeah, if you never get sued for 
on your end of it for all intents and purposes for the consumer that pretty much yes. works the same way as the uh right of survivorship one but the moment you get sued is when the big difference kicks in that makes it really difficult for them to actually be able to get money from you when they sue you that's correct that's correct yep um i i have found that it doesn't matter if the financial institution is big or large or small or it just depends if they're willing to go through the extra labor behind the scenes to provide the benefit for the client does it cost the banking or financial institutions more labor to offer more choices? Like uh, here's a like an oddity as an example in the state of Alaska, you can only do this on real estate, not on bank and financial accounts. Okay, so yeah, you, you have to find out if your state allows this, if your financial institution will do this. When I was researching this with my previous two banks that I used. I asked them and I called the 1-800 want to open a new account. Hey, do you do joint tenants by entirety account? When I was talking to them, they talked to me like if I was a weirdo, like what in the world are you talking about? This thing doesn't exist. And so I, I know that it does. So I was able to push through that. Hey, let me talk to your manager and et cetera. And the manager goes, I've never heard of anyone ask for this. Like as if it's a, an extreme oddity, which it is not. You just need to know what you're asking for. So if, if you get that reaction, it means they don't do it. Consider looking for a, a different place for this. Otherwise, your assets that are titled are at risk. Now, let's say the home you own is titled joint with rights of survivorship and you live in a state that allows this. How do you change that? Well, one of the ideas is you can go to an, a title and escrow company and do a quit claim, quit as in to leave, claim on the house and change the titling. Okay, I happen to live in Florida, which their, their SOP, their standard operating procedure is to title homes that are bought here by married couples in this manner. That's the only place I've seen it as the default. It doesn't mean it's not other places. But that's something Florida is doing well, is defaulting and giving people good extra protection. That's good. Yeah. Always, always have to have the default. Always check with your tax advisor and your attorney to make sure if this is appropriate for you, because this is not individual uh, recommendations for what to do with your own account. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, there's pros and cons to each. So it's not just, uh, hey, this is the yeah. best. Everyone do this on everything. No, no, there's no such thing that exists uh, for that in any aspect of the financial world. Understanding what's good for you and your family and situation, et cetera, on that. Yeah. Yeah. And tenancy in common definitely isn't the best if you're in one of the 24 states that doesn't do it because then you just can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, should you do TBE? Should you do with rights of survivorship? Should you do tenants in common? It all based on your situation. But it's wonderful. You can go just into any search engine and go, hey, what's the difference between what's rights or survivorship and tenants in common? And do some research for yourself. It's a wonderful way to educate you and educate your kids as they're getting newly married. You know, what a wonderful benefit for a father and mother to teach their young married son and daughter on how to do this from the beginning. What a wonderful blessing. I find I don't care what the financial status of folks are. Folks haven't heard of these ideas very often. Yes, that makes sense. And so that's something if like someone's listening to this and they have a right of survivorship with a 
you know, the husband and wife on their bank account, they could, if their bank does it and their state allows it, they could just go to their banking and get them to switch it over? Or that involve closing that account and starting a new one or something? Well, what I have seen is that they actually open a new account with this title. And so you're getting a new account number. That's what I've seen uh, okay. for that. So it does require a little work. If you have some automatic contributions or payments or things like that uh, type of stuff, they don't just change the titling. Um, how to find out, you can look at a statement of that account and you look at the signature and the very normally in the top of the first page of an account statement. And it'll say, you know, joint J-T-W-R-O-S. It normally just says the initials versus spell it all out. So if you're curious, go take a look. That's the easiest way to find out. And if it doesn't designate and it's owned by more than one person, then you can always call your financial institution and ask them, what's the titling? You know, how does this work? Yeah. And uh, if someone does this and then they get sued and it protects them, I'm sure they will think uh, all the time they spent getting everything switched over was well worth it. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah the, the old adage of an ounce of protection, right, is better up front. Um, mm. So spending time up front is always, all, all, almost always, but it doesn't just give you free legal protection. Uh, as an idea, but it also gives you peace of mind mm -hmm. to know that you're doing what you should be to take care of your family. So it's not just a protection, but it's also knowing that you're doing right in. You can educate. And then when you tell your spouse and your kids, hey, we're doing this to make doing smart and wise decisions, right? Educate those around you. And then they will, they will typically appreciate the effort you're trying to do to make wise decisions for them. So don't just do it quietly. Do, do it publicly within your families is what I try to recommend for folks. Yeah, that's really good. Um, is there anything else you want to say? Um, any final summaries on that or anything no, else? Because I, I think that covered everything in the notes. <laughs> Yeah, that covered all the pieces. Um, I, I enjoy doing reviews of beneficiaries for clients and titling and and how to make sure that that things are put together. But nope, thank you for having me here and sharing some ideas for folks. And I hope it's a blessing to many people. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, my pleasure. And thank you for coming on. And I know you already said this once, but just to reiterate, none of this was legal financial advice to you and your direct situation. If you want that, then. Uh, Hire Joe Garrisy as your financial advisor. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, was that it or is there any last comment you want to make? Oh, that's it. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. So that was the interview with Joe Garrisy of Backwards Planning Financial. I just want to uh, reiterate two things real quick. One, his website is backwardsplanningfinancial.com. And two, this episode was not legal financial advice. If you want legal financial advice, then hire Joe Garrisy and uh, you can get that. So that was this week's episode of Theana Money. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace, friends.
say